Would you turn in your scriptures, please, to Luke chapter 1. We're going to share in this word together. Remain standing, if you would, or stand up, if you haven't. I'm sure a familiar story to many of us. May God give us fresh eyes to hear this today. Beginning with verse 26, we're going to begin. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Nothing is impossible. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. And the angel left her. May God add his word to his bless, uh, and bless it this morning. Please be seated. Pastor uh, David began our series on the message of the angels last uh, Sunday, did a great job. Interestingly enough, there are only two angels specified by name in Scripture, uh, Michael and Gabriel, although someone in our congregation thinks there ought to be three. I had a guy to say to me, you know, my wife's an angel. She's always harping about something. So I'm not going to tell you her name in order to protect the not-so-innocent fellow there. But the the Bible indicates that angels are a part of our lives. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So, So there's a mystery here, certainly, but they're involved in the lives of those who follow Jesus. Also in Hebrews 13, we're told to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. So the Bible teaches that angels are created beings who are normally invisible, who are sent by God to protect and inform his people, and sometimes sent by God to proclaim judgment and and even uh, uh, manifest judgment on rebellious people. Now, so angels had the capacity to manifest themselves so that you could see them, but they rarely do so. Now, we have just read the account, which I think is probably the most famous account in history of an angel's appearance. Last uh, week, we, we saw the angel Gabriel appear to Zechariah in the temple, announcing the birth of John the Baptist. But really, that was just a warm-up for Gabriel, because six months later, he was making an appearance to an unknown peasant girl named Mary, 
to announce the coming birth of the Son of God. And Mary discovered her life had a far greater purpose than she could have possibly imagined. And I hope this morning, as we look at this story, we're going to consider in a new sense, in a fresh way, God's purpose for our own lives. So maybe you need to hear this message today. Listen, if you're a, a Michigan fan, for instance, <laughs> I mean, it's tough. Eight times you got beat up by Ohio State. You had to watch them uh, win the Big Ten Championship again last night. Now, wasn't that a great game? Wasn't that a lot of fun? I, I was worried I was going to be grumpy this morning, but, but things, things worked out. And so if you're a Michigan fan, what purpose do you have? You know, Michigan has never lost a Big Ten Championship game. They've never played in a Big Ten Championship <laughs> game. So, so I, I, I'm going to tell you, friend, I, I don't know what to, to, to tell you as a Michigan fan. It's obviously clear where God has favored uh, Ohio State. But, <laughs> but let's examine this message to Mary this morning. So the way we're going to do that is we're going to look at the angel's assignment, and then we're going to see the angel's announcement, and then the angel's assurance as we consider our own sense of purpose. The angel Gabriel was given this very special assignment for as much as 400 years, we, we surmise, that there had been no word from the Lord in Israel. There had been no prophets speaking. There is no revelation given. The people were wondering if God had forgotten them and his promises. They wondered if the Messiah would ever come but then, within a six-month period, Gabriel was given two assignments announcing the fullness of time had finally come. His second assignment was to go to Nazareth. Now, I wonder if that didn't surprise Gabriel just a bit. 1 Peter 1.12 indicates that the angels did not fully understand God's plan of salvation. Angels don't know everything. And so it was a mystery that they desired to look into. The angels, of course, knew in the Old Testament that the Messiah had been predicted to be born in Bethlehem. So why would Gabriel be called to go to Nazareth? Nathaniel would famously declare later, what good could come from Nazareth? And I wonder if, if Gabriel didn't have the, the same question. Maybe he was surprised that, that God was going to choose this unimpressive peasant girl to be the mother of his son, or just maybe he knew God's heart. Maybe he knew that God had this tendency to, to give favor to the humble, and he resists the, pride, the prideful. So, so Gabriel's assignment was to go to Nazareth and announce to this peasant girl named Mary that she, a virgin, would give birth to the Son of God. Now, that fact, that the fact that she was, that, uh, she was a virgin probably didn't surprise Gabriel. Because if you remember, Isaiah had said as much. He said that a virgin would conceive and bring forth a child. Now, we know that Mary has been pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. We also know that Joseph was a good man, a righteous man. I found it interesting a few weeks ago I was reading and found in a woman's guide to love and relationships, there were these suggestions, these five tips that I, I just thought I would share this morning. One, it said, it's important to find a man who 
helps you around the house and has a job. Number two, it is important to find a man that makes you laugh. Number three, it is important to find a man that you can count on and doesn't lie to you. Number four, it's an important thing to find a man who loves you and spoils you. Number five, it's important that these four men don't know each other <laughs> and should never meet. Well, Mary had found a good man, but, but they had had no intimate relationships. They had chosen to honor God in their relationship, and so that, that, that there had been no sexual union. So the angel's assignment was clear. Now, it occurred to me that this assignment was just the beginning of an intensified time of angelic activity. We see the angels were assigned a number of times throughout Jesus' ministry to attend to him. You'll remember, for instance, when Jesus was just an infant, an angel came to Joseph in Bethlehem and warned him that Herod the king was coming and was going to kill all the babies by the sword, and so they fled to Egypt. When Jesus was severely tempted in the wilderness at the beginning, the very beginning of his ministry, Matthew 4.11 reports, then when the devil left him, angels came and attended to him. Angels came and attended to him, you'll remember, in the garden of Gethsemane as he wrestled with God's will there. The Bible describes him as Jesus is as sweating as drops of blood. And then Luke twenty two forty three 43 says, an angel appeared to him and strengthened him. Angels were very much in attendance at Jesus' resurrection. You remember that an angel rolled away the stone from the tomb's entrance. Mary Magdalene was at the tomb. She looked in and she saw two angels sitting there. The women also saw a vision of angels beside the tomb informing them that Jesus was alive. So when Jesus ascended to heaven, in Acts chapter 1, verse 10, we read that the disciples were looking intently into the sky, and then all of a sudden, two men dressed in white said, O ye men of Galilee, why do you stand there staring up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same manner. So angels will accompany Jesus upon his return. In fact, Matthew 24, 31 says... He will send his angel with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elect from the four winds from the one side of the heaven to the other. So from the birth of Christ to the ascension of Christ to the return of Christ, angels are attending and assisting him. Now, if you think about it, there's only one event where Jesus was under severe stress and yet the angels were conspicuously absent. When Jesus came out of the Garden of Gethsemane, he's accepted God's will to go to the cross, and the angels left him. You remember when Peter, struck by the fact that Jesus was being suddenly arrested by this Roman cohort, drew his sword, and Jesus interrupts Peter, and he says, don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels that they would be at my disposal? 
And don't you think they were ready to come? But he didn't call them. Jesus went to trial. He was beaten and nailed to the cross and died alone. God turned his back on Jesus and the angels gasped at the mystery of it all. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. So Gabriel's assignment was to visit Mary in Nazareth. And then, of course, we see this startling announcement. It begins this way, verse 28. The angel says, greetings. In the Latin word, greetings, is the word ave. So you, so you have ave Maria, greetings, Mary. You, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. In other words, the angel was telling her, you're a special servant of God. Mary was chosen to give birth to the Son of God partly because she was a, a virtuous woman. In history, we see that God is often chosen to give individuals special assignments. You remember Noah? Chosen to build an ark to save the human race, preserve it. Abraham was called out of Ur to begin the, the nation of Israel, the, the Hebrew family. Moses was called out of the burning bush so that he could release the Israelites from their captivity in Egypt. You have David, the, the least of the sons of Jesse. He's tending sheep when he is anointed to be the next king of Israel. You remember Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says that the prophet was called from the, from the, the time of his mother's womb. Saul of Tarsus was called to be the apostle of the Gentiles, even before he was converted. Gabriel was sent to Mary to announce, you are chosen of God. God is going to use you in a special way. J. Vernon McGee says, it's easy to say that a woman brought sin into the world, but remember it was a woman and not a man who brought the Savior into the world. Now, notice here that Mary's response to, to Gabriel's greeting is interesting. The Bible says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You see, when the supernatural touches the natural, it's only natural, it seems to me, that there'd be a little bit of fear. And it's interesting to me that Mary is more troubled by his words than his appearance. You are highly favored. William Barclay made the important observation that Mary may have been disturbed because to be chosen by God is a paradox of blessedness. And that's true. It, it, it's a great blessing to be the mother of the Son of God. It would be a privilege, no doubt, but what a tremendous burden. At that moment, a cloud came over Mary's head, and that cloud would not be lifted until Jesus was raised from the dead. I mean, think about the burden. No one was going to believe that she was a virgin. No one else had seen the angel. No one else had even considered that as a possibility. They didn't have the benefit of reading the New Testament. She would live for years and years with a stigma and being shunned by her family. And you know, she, 
you know, she, she got pregnant before she was married. Besides that, the, the son that would be her glory would also be a source of intense heartbreak when she would watch him die on the cross. And I think that's important for us to note this morning. Listen, my friends, to, to be chosen of God means at one and the same time to have this crown of glory and also to be called to carry a cross of suffering. You remember God sent Ananias to, to the Apostle Paul. He was actually Saul of Tarsus at that point. And he was supposed to announce to Saul that, that I have chosen you to be the, the minister to the Gentiles and to go and preach to kings. But God didn't stop there. He said to Ananias, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. That reminds me this morning that, you know, being highly favored may not look like what you think it looks like. You know, there are a lot of preachers out there who will tell you, well, you are highly favored. They even like to use that language. And what they say is, is you're going to be wealthy and healthy and wonderful. But the Bible says something else. That, that God often, in favoring you, will trust you to carry his truth. And sometimes he trusts you with pain. You know, I, I've seen this in my ministry. I, I, I believe that God called me to preach. I was, you know, when I was three or four years old, I was at our little family table and had the family Bible open. And I was preaching about the baby Jesus, you know. That's what my mom says anyway. And I think I have that gift. I hope I do. But I also realize it's an awesome responsibility. And sometimes that gift means that people aren't going to always like what I have to say. If you're gifted to teach or gifted artistically or you're gifted intellectually, or maybe you're just gifted as a leader, you know it's a gift. But it also comes wrapped up often in responsibility and hardship and sometimes outright pain. God often doesn't call us to comfort, but to challenge. Mary, you are highly favored. Notice that Mary was troubled by those words. Because those words can be troubling. God made several surprise announcements to Mary. You will be with child and you will give birth to a son. That was a shock to Mary, no doubt. She had had no relationship with any man. You will call his name Jesus. Normally a, a mother gets the privilege of naming her own son, but God had already chosen his name, Jesus, which means, by the way, God saves he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. Imagine Mary, who is going about her business just like she does every day, just like she had so many days before. Suddenly, she's thrust into trying to understand what it was going to be to become the mother of the king, in lying with the king of David, a kingdom that would, know, would not end. Mary was going to give birth to the Messiah. So it's interesting to me that Mary asks the same question that anyone would ask. 
how could this be since I am a virgin? We need to note that the very first person who questioned the virgin birth was Mary herself. She knew how things were. But Gabriel, in turn, gives Mary a wonderful assurance of God's blessing. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you, come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Son born to you will be called the Son of God. I want to stop right there and just make this point. Now, the doctrine of the virgin birth is a hard doctrine for many people to accept and believe. But if you think about it, while Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, you know, materialists and atheists believe in the virgin birth of the universe. It just happened. It's just a matter of choosing your own miracle. So if you believe in the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then the idea that God could perform such a miracle of the virgin birth is not too big a stretch. But the doctrine of the virgin birth is important, is really foundational to the Christian faith, because the Son of God had come into this world without sin. We believe that when a normal baby is born, that a child is born with a sin nature. That's the doctrine of original sin. It's a sin nature that we inherit from Adam. Psalm 51.5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. But God would bring his only son into the human family in a distinctive way so that he would be without sin and therefore be a perfect sacrifice on the cross. So the angel said, I'm going to give you a sign, Mary, to verify this announcement. He says, your cousin Elizabeth is in her older years, but she's going to have a child. She is now six months along. Nothing's impossible with God. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me as you have said. And so notice, however, if you follow along in this chapter, the events that follow, Mary goes to the hill country in Judea to visit Elizabeth. She was eager, I think, to see that the declaration by the angel was correct. I think she was probably excited that she would have someone that she could share this news with who would understand what she was going through. There would be someone who could appreciate the joy and the wonder of it all. Then in verse 41 it says, When Elizabeth met Mary, heard her greeting, you remember that the baby leaped in her womb. Just six months, the baby in the mother's womb, who would be John the Baptist, leaped for joy at the presence of Jesus, the Messiah. Now, there are two important applications that I want to make regarding this story. The number one, and, and this is so simple, but I think it's okay to point it out. Number one is that God has a special purpose for some people. Be thankful. The angel told Mary, you are highly favored. As a result, however, of her being favored, we all receive the blessing of Jesus. I want you to see that. You see, when God calls somebody for a special purpose, it's because he loves us all. God still selects some individuals to be chosen instruments for him. 
I don't think it's an accident, by the way, that Winston Churchill was Prime Minister of England during World War II, or that we were blessed to have Abraham Lincoln lead us and unite the uh, United States during the Civil War. God gifts and, and, and calls some people to, to special tasks. And we should not be intimidated or envious of those who are more gifted than we are. He gifts them because he wants to bless us. Romans 9, 20, 21 says, But who are you, O human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? In other words, it's God's world. And he can fashion us as he pleases. And our response should be that of Mary. I am the Lord's servant. I do whatever you ask me to do. If he asks me to be the mother of Billy Graham, I'll do it and be grateful. If he asks me to be an orderly in a nursing home and give a cup of cold water to a dying person, Lord, I'm willing to do that too. I'll be his servant no matter what. God gives some people for special purposes. So don't be intimidated by them. Don't be envious by them. Be grateful for them. But the second lesson is this. I think it's true that God has a special purpose, has a purpose for every life. Be joyful. Now, probably God's role for you is not going to be as dramatic as a Mary's or Elizabeth. I never had an angel show up at my doorstep and inform me of what's next. But God has a purpose for every life, no matter how seemingly insignificant. I looked at the, the uh, night in Bethlehem last night, and I thought, you know what? Tim got up on that platform there. He was up on there, and the spotlight's on him. Not everybody gets to be a Tim Labrado, you know? <laughs> Angel singing, great voice, good-looking man. Not everybody gets to do that. There are a lot of people who were setting the stage up, the choir, people in the background, people helping out, people making cookies. And every one of you were important. And made this happen. A woman was taking a carload of kindergartners to school one morning in her minivan. When all of a sudden they heard sirens. And so she pulled off to the side. Fire truck came by. And the kids were impressed that a big Dalmatian dog was sitting right in the front seat of the fire truck. So the mother just decided to listen to the conversation of the kids as they discussed what the purpose was of the dog with the fire department. One of the kids said, you know, I, I think the dog's there to keep the crowd back. The other said, no, no, I, I think the dog goes inside and finds the people, burn, uh, people inside a burning building. Another said, no, I think the dog is just there to be a companion, a friend to the firemen. And finally, the fourth boy said, no, there's a dog there to find the fire hydrant. <laughs> What's your purpose? 
God's called you to do something. Maybe it seems insignificant. I'm going to guarantee you, if God's called you to it, it's not. But are you willing? Are you like Mary saying, Lord, I am your servant. Use me for your glory. That's the message this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Mary. I thank you for the message of this angel. As he comes, Lord, and is given this special assignment, we were reminded that, Lord, you chose Mary because you wanted to bless all of us. And Lord, sometimes you choose to, to uh, special people within our community to do extraordinary things, but Lord, it's a blessing. It's a unique blessing to see them to grow and to be challenged to grow in our relationship with you, Lord. We are all called to be servants. May each of us identify that purpose that you've called us for. And Lord, over the course of our lives, those purposes may change. Those callings may be different. But Lord, I also recognize that each of us here have been given a gift. If we have accepted Jesus Christ, he has been born in us. Lord, there's not a person in this room who claims to follow Christ who is not also highly favored. May we recognize that being highly favored will often mean a cost to pay, a hardship to bear, but a glory to enjoy. So Lord, continue to fashion us and our spirits, our attitudes into the likeness of your son Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the angels who come and minister to our spirits. Holy Spirit, would you come encourage us in our walk with you? I ask this in your holy name. Amen. you stand as we respond and sing? Sing, who am I? Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me and know oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. Free at last. Free at last, he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Who the Son sets free, always free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. See, I'm chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. 
You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Who the Son, who the Son sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. God loves you so much that he sent his son to this earth because he wanted to spend eternity with you. Just uh, want to reinforce that truth this morning and let you know that if you are part of his family, he wants to use you for his glory. Be willing to say yes to his calling in your life. Father, we are so impressed by this young lady, this, this Mary who out of nowhere receives this spectacular news. And yet, Lord, she had such a spirit to say, yes, I am the servant of God. Yet, Lord, you called her to hardship and difficulty. While she was blessed, Lord, she was often facing burdens. Lord, may it not surprise us when we are called into ministry, whatever ministry it is, that, Lord, at moments we are going to be facing difficulty, but may we keep our eyes fixed on the glory that is, that is to know you and to be found in you. Fill us up, Lord, we pray with yourself even this morning. May we, like Mary, be overcome and overshadowed by the, 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 the Holy Spirit, filled up to be able and empowered to live a life that pleases you that brings you glory. We pray this all through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen. God bless you.